So good to see everybody today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who is watching right now via online, interwebs, online. We love you so much. We wish you were here, but we're so glad you're there. Come on, everybody. Can we put our hands together and welcome everybody who's watching with us? Awesome. Great. Uh, before, before we jump into our content, I want to take a minute and uh, let you guys know we have Tailgate. You saw that little video uh, coming up. We got Tailgate. It is like one of the biggest outreaches that we have of the year. And so the idea is just bring every person you know. And uh, we're just really believing that God's going to use it. And we have our own parking lot, y'all, which for the first time, so we can set up the night before, which is amazing. So yeah, that's going to be really, really cool. And so I want to encourage you, just be, uh, take that, that card on your seat if, right now, if you don't mind. And um, it's right, if you're sitting on it, if you didn't see it, you're probably sitting on it. But right there, I want to encourage you, be praying, be inviting somebody to tailgate. It's a great opportunity. It's going to be a ton of fun. Food trucks, uh, inflatables, lots of fun and games for the kids. Casey Wolf will be here. Uh, it's just a really, really good time, but it's just an excuse to invite somebody who doesn't know God. And uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to throw out the gospel. And as we pray and as we get ready for that, I believe God is going to work and he's going to touch people's hearts in a powerful, powerful way. And if you believe it, say, I do. I do. Well, thank you for that faith. Um, also, if, you, if I could get your help with something, we're going to be uh, doing a promotional campaign. So like right now, we have another video that, we, that Jen and I made. They're going to show you this uh, on social media here. But there's a, there's a video that we made uh, promoting Tailgate, kind of shows a little bit of what's going to be happening. Uh, and so it just details, it's, it's uh, obviously, it's us. If you could go on, actually right now, if you could take out your phones, um, if whatever social platform, if you're a Summit Parker, if you're not a Summit Parker, don't worry about it. But if this is your home and you want to help us promote it, Facebook, Instagram, whatever social platform you, you use will actually promote it more. The algorithms will pick up on it and uh, it will help us promote it big time. If you could take a second and just do that right now, it's called a social thunderclap. So on the count of three, everybody clap. One, two, oh my gosh. I faked you out, that was my bad. I went like this, but was counting. So obviously didn't practice this. I didn't do it in the first service or in run through, and that's what happens. Um, one, two, three, there it is. So see, like, you hear that? Like, that's, that's amazing. So one clap is like, not very powerful, but everybody clapping at the same time. Facebook, Instagram, they're like, oh, we like that. So if you don't mind, do that, that'd help us. And I appreciate it. And we're gonna see lots of people come to Jesus at tailgate. Right. It's gonna be awesome, all right. Okay, hey, we're in the love connection. Everybody say love connection. It's kind of like love connection, like just got all that emphasis on love. And, and we're talking about um, what it means to be in God-honoring, Jesus-centered relationships uh, that, that are just full of life and full of fruit. And week one, I just want to take a few moments and recap. Week one, we talked about how God wants us to define the relationship. And, then, and he gets to define the relationship because he's the one who created us and he's the one who created relationship. So he gets to define what relationships are supposed to look like. And so we want to do relationships. We want to do marriage the way God has designed it because he has a design and it is a good design. God likes marriage. This, that's, that's cheap amen material right there. Like that's just, it's as easy as it's going to get right there. Uh, God loves marriage and he's pulling for your marriage and he wants your marriage to thrive. And so he's actually designed it to thrive. And so when we find his design, 
uh, by defining it the way he defines it, we're going to experience that. So we talked about that week one. Uh, week two, we talked about building a, a marriage the way God wants us to build it. Commitment, we talked about loyalty. We talked about love. We talked about uh, the way God uh, wants us to thrive in relationships. That was week two. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to parent in relationship, okay? And so I'm bringing in the big guns, y'all. I'm bringing in Scotty Gibbons, all right? One of our, one of our favorites. He's coming in next week, and the man is just... He's not only a gifted preacher, but he's like an amazing dad. Like an amazing dad. They have six kids. Everybody say, wow, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. And, um, and all of them are like just amazing, well-mannered. Like they love God. They're respectful. Every time I'm around them, I'm like, how did you do this? <laughs> and so, um, but because, yeah, it's just... Uh, Anyways, parenting has been quite the journey for us, and we're learning, and I'll be taking tons of notes as he's here next week, as he's here next week, but so anyways, come next week ready to learn uh, on that. It's going to be fantastic, but today we are talking about relationships, and we're going to talk about protecting the relationship, all right? So we've defined the relationship, we're building the relationship, and now we want to protect what we've defined, what we built, and what God is blessing us with, because relationships are the best. They're amazing. They're awesome. Like, guys, like, that's when you go, yeah, I won. Woo! Yeah. This is free. This is like freebies, y'all. Have you not learned anything in this series? <laughs> okay. So, the relationships are the best. There we go. Until they're not, right? Yeah. Even people who aren't married, like there was this, there was this story about this guy who uh, w- he was working with one of his female uh, co-workers, and they just were not getting along well, and uh, she was like, man, you are the worst, and she's like, she said to him, man, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your tea. <laughs> That's pretty aggressive. This is like, something has gone terribly wrong there, and uh, then he looked at her, and he said, he says, ma'am, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. So. <laughs> like, that's the best comeback ever. It's the best. I mean, you know, people say crazy things about marriage. People, like, I've heard, this, I've heard people say, like, marriage is like having a best friend who doesn't remember anything you say. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I, don't, don't, if, I do not agree with that. Um, someone, someone also said this, the happiest marriage I can picture would be the union of a deaf man and a blind woman. <laughs> I do not agree with that. I, do not, I don't even think it's funny. <laughs> or, uh, or marriage is like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. I love it. If you've been married for any amount of time, you kind of you have to laugh at that because you're like, "Yeah, this is the truth." That because because marriages start so great, they start with the wedding. The wedding is amazing, right? You have all your friends. It's this giant party. It's super expensive. 
But it's so much fun, and you have the vows being said at the front. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. And, you, you know, bride and groom walk out to sign, seal, deliver, I'm yours. Stevie Wonder, right? You know, it's like, you know, they walk out, and it's like amazing. And, you know, sometimes they'll have fireworks. Like, I actually had fireworks at my wedding, like, you know, because I'm a little extra. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just a little extra. So we had fireworks at our wedding, and, and it was just so much fun. And, and uh, just everybody's there, and it's so exciting. And then you have, the, fi- you, then you have the, the honeymoon, all right? So you have a different kind of fireworks. Come on, somebody. It's okay. You can laugh if you want. It's all right. It's good. Relax. Um, different kind of fireworks, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but different kind of fireworks, and then it's just amazing. And then, and then you, get, you get home, and a few months go by, and the wedding is a distant memory. And what was fireworks is just fire. Like the house is on fire, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it just, it gets, it gets, it gets aggressive. Like when you're dating somebody, like you can see that person and like, especially if they're different than you and you can be like opposites attract, right? Have you, I mean, raise your hand if you ever heard that phrase, raise your hand if you ever heard that and you maybe, maybe you believe it, um, you know, you've seen it work out like in your life where you're like, you're dating that person and you're like, oh my goodness, you're so different. Like, that's so cool. And, and the way they drink or the way they eat or the words they say, you know, you'd be like, oh, that's, that's just so different. Like, man, that's so unique. I would have never said it that way, but like, that's so cool. <laughs> Five months later, into the marriage, they're doing something so different. And you're just like, that is so different. I, I, that's so interesting that you say that or that you do that that way. That's just weird. Why do you do that that way? Like it, and it turns into to fire. It, it, turns into, it turns into a fight, in fact, just as a testimony. Testimony. If you're married, if you're in a married relationship and you have fought sometime this year, this year, okay, from January to August, you've had an argument, a disagreement that got intense, not like, oh, what, what, what cupcake do you want? This one, no, not that. You got into an argument. Raise your hand this year. Come on, everybody, just across this place. Look at this, look at this, okay? Um, how many of you, maybe this month, this month you got into an argument? Come on, raise your hands. How about this week you got into an argument? How about on the way to church? Come on, somebody. Like, bring some of those connection cards for these people. <laughs> oh, it's so easy to fall in love, right? It's so easy to fall in love, but then, but then, but then like that song, It's So Easy to Fall in Love, turns into fight for your right to party. <laughs> or we're not going to take it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to give you the best piece of, bib- of biblical advice that I've ever heard, and, um, and it's, it's right from the Bible, but it, it, this will help us. I want to lay this as a foundation for what we're going to be talking about today. It's don't fight with your spouse, fight for your spouse. Yes. If, you're, if you're taking notes, write that down. Don't fight with your spouse, fight for your spouse. What it does is it takes this idea of that that, that the spousal relationship, it's not head-to-head, it's side-by-side. It's not me against you, it's me 
and you against the world. And then for the believer, it's even better. So if you're a follower of Christ, it's not just you and your spouse against the world, it's you and your spouse and God against the devil and his plans and the detractors and and his schemes. And you've got God on your side together. You can fight with, uh, not fight with your spouse, but for your spouse together. And that's where I want to show you. Romans chapter 12 is a great passage. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Amazing passage on relationships. And it doesn't even talk about marriage at all in this, but it just gives us a, an amazing understanding of what it means to be in Jesus-centered relationships and how to work these things out. Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at this, we're going to unpack this, and we're going to learn how to fight for our spouse instead of with our spouse. And uh, we're going to read it, draw some conclusions, and walk away better. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. I am. All right, Romans 12, verse 1 says this, therefore I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I just want to pause for a moment there because this is really important. Everything in your relationship, certainly uh, with your spouse or with anybody else, is always going to have its foundation in where you are in your relationship with God. So it's got to start there. If you want to have a great Jesus-centered relationship, you've got to be Jesus-centered. You've got to have your heart set in the right direction. Again, we've been talking about this in this series, but it doesn't start horizontally. It starts vertically. So as you center your heart on God, as you center your thoughts on God, as you offer your life as a living sacrifice, as you make God the greatest priority in your life, you will be able to experience the fullest relationship with your spouse. This is how it works. So then he says this, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Then verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Everybody say, don't do it. Don't do it. it. The world has a pattern. And we've been unpacking this as well in this series. The world has a pattern and it is not God's pattern. And it's important that we understand that. So much of what we see from from uh, television or even on social media, from relational advice is bad. It's just bad advice. And, and it's rooted in selfish, sinful thinking. So there's a pattern of the world, and it's not God's pattern. And so he says, offer yourself to God. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. But, everybody say, But. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then watch this. This is amazing. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's amazing. His will for you is good, perfect. It's pleasing. And when you have your mind transformed by God through his word, you're going to be able to see what's bad advice and what's good advice. And that's why we've got to stay in the word of God. That's why we've got to stay connected to Jesus. And so then he goes on and he says, now this is what it's going to look like. So he lays this foundation. It was really powerful how we've heard those verses a lot, but then he, then he attaches it to verses 9 through 11, which is absolutely amazing. And he says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 
This little passage of scripture. I mean, it almost sounds like he's just, he's just doing, he's just dropping phrases here and there. But what I believe he is doing is he is giving us a prescription. I think God, the Holy Spirit, is inspiring Paul as he's writing this to give us a prescription on what it means to have loving relationships that are protected against the fires of hell. Because the devil wants to take your marriage out, but God wants to take your marriage up. Come on, somebody. And it happens when we don't fight with each other, but fight for each other. And let me show you four ways and how we protect love by fighting for each other. Number one is love is protected in humility. Number two, love is protected in intimacy. Number three, it's protected in purity. And four, it's protected in appreciation. All of this is right here. Like, this is amazing. And, and, and I can't, I know this is very simple, but, 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 when you do this, and, and even b- before first services, I was getting ready, I was going over my notes, I was like, man, this is amazing. Like, if we would apply this, if you would apply this right now to your relationships, I promise you this, you will start see those relationships transform. You will start seeing yourself do this God's way, and you will have his help, all right? So we're gonna, I'm going to unpack these things. I'm going to show you how they're right here in this passage, and we're going to walk away better. Before we do, I want you to turn and tell 16 people... Don't fight with me, fight for me. Come on, tell 16 people, don't fight with me. Fight for me. Fight for me. Okay. Love, first one is this. Love is protected in humility. It's protected in humility. He says this in this passage, honor one another above yourselves. We've been teasing this idea out through this series, but I I can't emphasize this enough that this idea of humility is the absolute most important thing that you can bring into your relationship. Bring this into your relationship. Honor one another above yourself. And this is the way of Christ. This way of Christianity, we're gonna talk about this in a second, but this opposes what the world is doing. Everything in this world is all about me. Everything in this world is about my ideas, my opinion, my truth. So we put ourselves forward. It's selfish, sinful thinking. That's the way of the world. And as long as we conform to that pattern, we're never going to experience real love. Real love says, I'm going to honor the other person above myself. So that inherently is selfless. And Paul teases out this idea of how we actually walk this out in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there, Ephesians chapter 5. Both Romans 12 and Ephesians 5 are what I like to call the in case of emergency verses. Like if you find yourself like in just a bad way in your marriage, in your relationship, and like things are not going well, and man, it just does not seem to be like you're, you're, you're in a bad way, pull these verses. Go to these verses. They will reset you and get you into alignment, all right? Ephesians chapter 5. Paul shows us how to do this. Number one, uh, number one, uh, or verse 21, Ephesians 5, he says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's showing us how to live this humility thing out. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's saying out of your love for God, out of your admiration and your following of Jesus, now then submit to one another. Now this is really important. This is mutual submission. It takes two. This is really important as it relates to marriage. A good marriage is not 50-50. 
a good marriage is 100, 100. That's how it is. It's, it's both people bringing all that they are. If you hold back, which is what we tend to do, we tend to pull back, we tend to hold back, I, I, especially if you've been hurt, especially if you've been in a relationship where you've had some, some wounds, like, man, I'm going to keep this because if I open this up, then I know they're just going to rip me up. So I'm going to hold back. But, but a good relationship is mutual submission. It's 100, 100 coming together. Mutual submission, all in. If you hold out, you're missing out. And he says this, verse 22, wives, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. All right, and now, men, keep your elbows inside your seat right now, okay? No elbowing, no amening yet because we haven't finished this passage. You got to finish the passage, then you can amen. Now, we don't like this verse in America today. It sounds very old-fashioned, doesn't it? Wives submitting to the husbands. That, that sounds very, very old-fashioned. Um, well, how, how do we do this? And, and what Paul is talking, because it sounds a little bit like bondage. Sounds a little bit like control. This is not about bondage. This is not about control. This is about leadership. This is about role. That rhymed and I wasn't even trying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, it's, about, it's about the leadership role of a husband in the relationship. This is about someone taking responsibility. This is about someone taking the lead. This is about someone saying, I'm willing to step up and do what is necessary. And it falls on the man. Okay, so... Now let's finish it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and, come on, everybody say this with me, gave himself up for her. So how does the, how does the husband, the leader, lead? By giving himself up. By surrendering. By not fighting for his right to party, but literally giving up his right to party. And, and, and it's humility. It's the, it's the essence of humility, right? It's the, it's the essence of leadership. It's taking the initiative. It's saying, I'm leaning in. I'm willing to start. I'm willing to go first. I'm willing to do the difficult thing. Look at Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2 talks about Jesus and what he did when he came down to this earth. He said he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Other passage says, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. So when you see the man's role, it looks like Jesus. It looks like dying. It looks like becoming less. It looks like becoming a zero. Guys, that's our job, becoming a zero. The man who humbles himself to serve, I think much more easily has a wife who humbles herself to follow. So the man humbles himself to serve. I'll give, okay, what do you, what do you think? You know, where do you want to eat? Wherever you want to go. <laughs> oh, God, I hope they have meat. 
You know, I mean, it's like, it's, when, when you have that, it's so much, it's so much easier. And let me just say this, guys, like, this is, this is what we're made for. We're not made to come home and just plop our uh, feet on the couch and say, woman, serve me, feed me, bathe me. Come on, what are you, a three-year-old? It's not our job. That's not our, you, know what, you know what our job is? Our job is to come home and be like, let's go. Pull me in, coach. You need to have that. Like that's what, when you pull into the driveway, fellas. <laughs> get, get that going on or whatever you like, whatever pumps you up. Be like, all right, it's time to go to work. It's not, I'm not coming home from work. It's time to go to work. It's time to serve. It's time to lead. This, go, this is anything from dishes to diapers. And you know, like, we're made for this, guys. Like, and, and this is what I was, I was thinking last service. I was like, and I, don't want, I don't want no pee diaper. Don't give me, I, I do the pee diaper, but give me the dirty diaper. Because I'm a man. I want to get in there. I want to roll up my sleeves. We're going to do this. Let's do it. I don't want the easy diaper. You wait till that stuff's coming out the back. You wait till it's all over the wall. Call in the reserves. Let's go. <laughs> so that's, that's a practical way that we flesh out humility. Another way is by saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is both of us. Mutual submission, right? I'm sorry. Have you ever realized how difficult it is to say, I'm sorry? Let's just take a moment, class, and practice together. Just repeat after me. Say, I'm sorry. Okay, good job. Good job. It's, 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 it's challenging, right? Especially when you're in that moment when the other person is clearly wrong. <laughs> Which, let me, can, I just want to know like, who, who we're talking to today. Like, how many of you are usually right in the argument? Come on, just raise your hands. I say, it's, you're usually right. Same. I totally identify. <laughs> but you know what? Right, right from the beginning, it's interesting. It's, it's difficult to take ownership. It's, different, it's difficult to apologize. And this happened right from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. God comes to confront Adam about the fruit being taken that he was told not to take, Adam and Eve. Now, Eve took the fruit first, and then Adam took it, and then God shows up. And Adam, like, like a man, watch with this, like just like a, just a man, a man's man, says this in verse 12. The woman <laughs> you put here with me. Wait, hold up, a guy. I actually think it's not only her fault, it's your fault. Come to think of it, and I'm the only one who's seeing this thing right. <laughs> what a man. She, she took some fruit and I ate it. Right from the very beginning, right from the very beginning, when things get so messed up, it's because responsibility isn't being taken, and so relationship is broken. And it's, it's the worst move. And when you don't have responsibility... And where you don't have humility, you will never have unity. 
Where there is a lack of responsibility and a lack of humility, there will always be a lack of unity. When you, own, when you take ownership of something and you humble yourself, that's when things get better. That's the quickest fix. Saying, I'm sorry. All right? So just turn to that person next to you and say, I'm sorry. Just try it. It was very quiet. It was almost like maybe it was like, you needed to say it. <laughs> you know what's interesting today is like in, in our world, again, we have, we have to look at the pattern of our world and the biblical pattern and how they conflict. But our world has a pattern of sorry, not sorry. Right? Even a song. There's even a song, sorry, not sorry. It's almost kind of like, I'm sorry, but I'm not. This is who I am. And you're going to have to figure out how to deal with all of this. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, it's just not biblical. It's not biblical. In fact, we have this, this idea of like, sorry, not sorry, just take me as I am, just deal with me as I am. And we wonder why relationships struggle when God gives us the key, humility. Humility. Jesus won the world back to himself by humbling himself, by initiating, by taking the lead and bringing us back to him. And both people mutually submitting, that's what happens. That's how it works, all right? Number two, everybody say number two. Love is protected in intimacy. It's protected in intimacy. Now, this is where we put the love in love connection, all right? This is going to get a little saucy. It's going to get a little spicy. It's going to get a little fuego. <laughs> a little, yes. Yes, there you go. Some of you have been waiting the whole series just for this point. Yes. <laughs> and when I say, when I mean some of you, I mean the guys. <laughs> All right, before we get saucy, though, he starts with verse 9. We got to get sincere. Love must be sincere. Intimacy. Intimacy, intimacy starts with sincerity. It starts with sincerity. It's got to be honest. In fact, the word intimacy is very, it's, it's kind of, uh, you can uh, break it down like this, but intimacy, into me, see. It, you want to know who I am. And, and that's why I do, I do want to give a plug for those connection cards. They, they really are amazing because they really help us understand each other and this is where this is where physical intimacy starts is mental and emotional intimacy and and it starts it starts with being sincere open vulnerable honest and that verse 11 leads never be lacking in zeal thus the the tiger i can't do it but yeah that one thank you nathan now, now, true, like full disclosure, Paul's not talking about marriage passion in this passage, but he is talking about passion, and he's talking about your spiritual passion, and he's talking about how it's linked with sincerity. Sincerity and passion go together. You can't, you can't really have real passion unless you have real sincerity, and God wants you to have real passion. God made your relationship to be saucy. 
He made it to be a little spicy. He made all of the reproductive organs the way they are, as fun as they are, for a reason. And it's not just reproduction, it's, it's for fun. It's for fun. Some of you don't believe me? Let's read a few verses. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 5, verse 19. This is Solomon. He's right, the wisest person outside of Jesus to ever live. <laughs> says this, A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. Come on, somebody. <laughs> may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Yeah, saucy. The same guy who wrote that wrote this in Song of Songs, verse uh, chapter seven. Says uh, this is like his love song to his wife, and he says this: "How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter! Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine." Saucy. Your waist is a mound of wheat. Guys, you might want to try that one later. See, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I mean, might be met with mixed results. <laughs> unless there's some context. Encircled by lilies, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. How beautiful you are, how pleasing, my love, with your delights. Your stature is that of a palm, and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. <laughs> Woo! Saucy! Aren't you glad you came to church today? I mean, like, for real, though. Just maybe you print that off, bring it into the bedroom. <laughs> I do, I, I, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this. And some of you are like, praise God. Um, <laughs> but I do have another resource for you. Intended for Pleasure is a Christian author, Ed Wheat, and he talks about uh, how, how we can express each, uh, ourselves physically and how important it is in the marriage relationship to do that. I want to encourage you to check that out. It's a great book. We, we, we need to not be less connected. We need to be more connected. We need to be more physically expressive. The church, when we talked about this last week, that how married couples have the most fulfilling sex lives. It's, it's, there's, it's, just, it's just proven statistically over and over and over again. It's because God's in it. God blesses it. And we should prioritize it. So, so date night important you know having time just to to to, to be intimate to to talk to each other to get to know each other to have time with each other um vacations we talked about this as well when kids come with you it's a trip <laughs> you just have like just don't even like say i'm going on vacation if the kids are coming it's not don't lie to yourself He said, I took the kids on a trip, and I'm going on vacation next month. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and then let me say this. Schedule your cuddle times. 
Schedule them. When you feel like it, when you don't, schedule them. Put on the calendar. Keep the calendar as much as you can. Love each other. Give yourselves to each other. And protect the marriage in intimacy. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. Third, love is protected in purity. Purity. Humility, intimacy, and then purity. Be, to, be devoted to one another in love, the Apostle Paul says. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. That's not to yourself. That's not to others, people. That's to the other person. One. Soul-focused, committed, 100%. That means not looking everywhere at everyone. It's my heart is set on you. And if I see my, my glance, I'm bringing it right back to you. I love what Proverbs 28 says. This is the guy who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And he says this. He says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. I mean, I think this is good in a lot of ways. I think this is good business. I think this is good just in all kinds of, it's a great proverb. But I, had to I have to think that Solomon was thinking about relationships as he was writing that. Here's a guy who, would, who could be with any woman at any time, at any moment, probably different women every night, and, and he found himself chasing maybe this ideal, chasing this ideal woman, and instead of just being with the woman that he was with, and in a sense working that land, like investing in that relationship, treasuring, appreciating, building that. He says, when you do that, you'll have abundant food. But when you chase fantasies, you're going to come to poverty. Isn't that, isn't that like a, a view of lust? It's a, it's a picture of lust. Lust keeps you looking. And you're never satisfied. You're, ne you're, you're never truly satisfied. But, but love keeps you leaning in. Lust keeps you looking. Love keeps you leaning in. And coming back and saying, no, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to, I'm going to affirm. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to build. I'm going to spend time. And I will reap a harvest as a result. Our relationship will be fruitful when I invest in it. That's, that's what he's saying. So a couple things practically just as a word of wisdom. So we're talking about wisdom stuff. Is be wise in your conversations. Married people, be wise in your conversations with the opposite sex. There's, there, there's some places you don't need to go in conversation. There, there's, some, there's some glances you don't need to give. There's, there's some times where you just got to say, this is, you know, I can be cordial without being flirtatious. And the enemy wants you to cross that line and find yourself in a difficult situation. Be wise on social media. Again, this is, this is where we have images all over the, you know, just thrown at us. But guys and girls, you don't need to keep up with your exes. Leave them in the past. Like, well, I just wanted to check how they're doing. No. You don't need to check how they're doing. Leave them alone. 
you're done. It's over. You're moving forward. Um, be wise on the internet. And this is where like lust and porn is, is, is ravaging, ravaging people. When I was growing up, you had to work hard to find it. And, and now you have to work hard not to find it. You can't, you can't read a sports article without getting to the bottom and then being like, okay, well, here's a bunch of options that are not going to please the Lord or keep me pure. And we have to know what it does to us. And so I want to take just a few moments to encourage you. There's a website called thenewdrug.org, and it talks about porn. And this is, again, this isn't just hardcore porn. This is porn across the board. This is why we have to have a strategy so we have to know what it's doing. This is, and, and, and unfortunately, this isn't, it used to be mostly a guy thing, but this is girls and guys today struggling with this because it's just so everywhere. But porn affects the brain. A uh, quote from this website says, studies have found that frequency of porn use correlates with depression, anxiety, stress, and social problems. This is what the devil wants. This is what he wants. And when we, give, when we give into that, he wins, and it affects the brain. Porn also affects the heart. Porn use has been found to influence some users' sexual preferences, leaving them wanting what they've seen on screen and significantly less satisfied with sex in real life. So God wants you to flourish. God wants your relationship to be blessed. And the enemy's trying to steal that. Porn affects the world. Among the effects of the use of pornography are an increased negative attitude toward women, decreased empathy for victims of sexual violence, and an increase in dominating and sexually imposing behavior. All of this stuff is what the devil, he, he is assaulting relationships. He's assaulting purity. And it's why we have to say, absolutely not, not in my house, not in my life. I will not let this happen. I'm going to stand strong. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we need. All of us need to rise up and say that. And there's some resources that I want to give you. Um, uh, X3watch.com, CovenantEyes.com, and VidAngel for your TV. Those are great resources that you can, that you can bring in, especially if you have young kids coming up. I want to encourage you to be thinking about this. The internet social media, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be vigilant, and we have to say that the world's way is not going to be our way. I want to do this God's way because it's the best way. And if you're struggling, I want to encourage you, get, a, get an accountability partner. If someone in your small group, be like, hey, can you keep me accountable? Let's go on a journey. You don't have to do this alone. Living free, again, if you struggle from addiction, we can help you with that. We want to. All right, so that's, that's it's purity. It's humility, intimacy, purity, and then the last thing is, it's appreciation. Appreciation. He says, honor one another. Honor one another. It's, the, the Greek word there is the word time, and it means to ascribe value or to ascribe worth or to treasure, to treasure the person. So, so when you're honoring someone, you're treasuring them. You're viewing them as a treasure. Look, Proverbs 18, he who finds a wife 
finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And you know who wrote that? It's the one who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And he says, not who finds a thousand, he says who finds one. And it's almost like Solomon's like, man, if I wish I could have done this whole thing different, I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have done all of that. I had all of this wisdom and I just pursued my flesh and I could take everything I wanted and man, it left me frustrated. If I could do this whole thing different, I would, I would stay committed to the one I was with and invest in that and appreciate them and honor them and treasure them. You know, when you first get married, you, 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 it's, again, it's very, it's very blissful. Why? Because you look at that person like such a gift. I'm so blessed to have Ollie so amazing and oh, she's so great and this and that. And you treasure them. What happens is we stop treasuring. But if we could get back to treasuring, every conversation is a gift. Every, every text message is a gift. Every time you look into their eyes, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. Again, going back to the beginning, what, is, what does God say? When he sees Adam alone, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring her, I'm going to bring him Eden or Eve in Eden. And, and, and the two will become one. And it was beautiful and it was grace and it was a gift. And again, when Adam sees her, he's like, look at her. This is not bone, my bone, flesh, and my flesh. I, woo! It was such a gift. Your spouse is God's gift to you. They're not perfect. And again, I'm not trying to, like, obviously there's some instances where relationships have gone very, very wrong and need lots of therapy to get back on track. But I'm talking in general terms here. Your spouse is a gift, and when you view them as a gift and stop chasing everything else, that's when you start enjoying the blessing that God has given you. That's what God wants for relationships. It's not perfect. It happens when we honor them above ourselves. I'm going to honor, I'm going to appreciate, I'm going to view them, I'm going to treasure them. They are a blessing. They're like gold from God. You start viewing them like that, and you start investing in the relationship, you start reaping fruit from that relationship. That's what I want to pray for our church. Would you stand with me all across this place? We're going to take a few moments. We're going to worship here in just a second. I'll ask our prayer team to come down to the front. I want to pray for relationships. If you're here today with your spouse and maybe, maybe you fall on the way to church or maybe things are like really, really messy, messed up, I want you to know that there is hope. There is help in Jesus. God can do anything. Romans 12, Ephesians 5, in a case of emergency, pull those verses, get back to basics, and God will help you. He wants to give you a path to be able to do this thing. He doesn't leave us on our own. He wants to help us. He wants to help you. And we want to pray for you. If you have, if you have needs today, if you have need in your body, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you have a need in your marriage, we want to pray. We're going to worship here for just a few moments. But if you're with your spouse today or your significant other, would you grab their hand?
just for a moment, and we're going to pray over our relationships and just invite God. I know there's probably some conversations that need to happen. We just want to pray that God would be a part of them. There's forgiveness that needs to be made. There's repentance that needs to be done and forgiveness that needs to be given. It's beautiful. This is what, this is what God does. God can bring beauty from asses, ashes. This is what he does. It's who he is. He wants to bring it about in your life. So can we take a moment? Can we pray for relationships right now all across this place? Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that, God, you are involved, Lord, that you are here. Lord, you are with us. And, Father, you are working. Lord, even right now, God, you are working in this situation. And, and God, we thank you for it, Lord. You want to do great things in our relationships. And, Father, we know we're bringing brokenness. God, we know that we're bringing disappointment. God, we know we're bringing sin. But God, we know that you take that and you can remove that. And God, you can bless us and restore us. And Lord, we ask you to do just that. Father, we pray for your hand to be upon us in power. Lord, let your hand be upon us in strength and grace. Lord, help us to live lives, to lead lives that honor you and, and serve you. Father, we just thank you for that. Lord, we pray that you would bless us, help us to live this thing out. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just take a moment all across this place? Can we just lift our hands to the Lord as an offering and just say, God, we give ourselves, we give our relationships to you, and we ask you, Lord, to take it all, have it all, Lord, we dedicate who we are to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.